Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries of First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org, or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. There is plenty of room. Plenty. We are closing out our giving series where we've been looking at this positive sum rain and idea that there is always enough, that in fact there's always an abundance. Whenever we invite God into a place and truly give with generosity, then we can be surprised and blessed by how much is heaped into our lives in return. And so uh, to close this out, we're going to hear this passage from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, verses 1 through 9. So hear now the word of the Lord. It was two days before Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. The chief priests and legal experts, through cunning tricks, were searching for a way to arrest Jesus and kill him. But they agreed that it shouldn't happen during the festival, otherwise there would be an uproar among the people. Jesus was at Bethany visiting the house of Simon, who had a skin disease. During dinner, a woman came in with a vase made of alabaster and containing very expensive perfume of pure nard. She broke open the vase and poured the perfume on his head. Some grew angry. They said to each other, why waste the perfume? This perfume could have been sold for almost a year's pay and the money given to the poor. And they scolded her. Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you make trouble for her? She has done a good thing for me. You always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do something good for them. But you won't always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body ahead of time for burial. I tell you the truth that wherever in the whole world the good news is announced, what she's done will also be told in memory of her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts, our minds, and our eyes that we might see and know the word you have for us this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So this week, Kristen came into my office and sat down and we started working on the order for the Fat Tuesday pancake dinner that the youth is putting together. That's this Tuesday from 6 to 7.30. You can just drop in any time in that time frame. And we were working on the menu and the amount of things that we needed to order. And we first of all wanted to make sure we were as inclusive as possible in reflection of the values of this church. And so we will have both sugar-free and sugar-full syrup. And we will also have gluten-free pancakes available that will be prepared on their own designated grill because you can't cross, really, if somebody's got a real gluten allergy, they even can't be prepared in the same place. So they'll have their own dedicated grill. Then we had to kind of try to figure out how much to order of each thing. And to figure those things out, we kind of came up with a formula based on average attendance at recent church events and also for other churches that have sponsored a Fat Tuesday pancake dinner that are roughly our size, how many people did come and how much did they order. Because we want to be intentional and not waste our resources, we're trying to seek a balance of not wanting to waste, but also having enough so that no one goes hungry and everyone is welcomed to the space. 
Well, I have to say this is one of the great joys of potlucks or church meals is that it is a celebration always of God's abundance. Because in all my time in ministry, I have never been at a meal that ran out of food. Sometimes it's weird what's left, but they haven't run out of food. The very first church that I was part of, you know, it was a new church start, and we had our very first potluck, and I guess everyone was wanting to make sure that there was plenty of meat available, so of the 10 families that were involved in the church, five of them brought a ham. Yeah, it's the ham potluck. That's how it was referred to in the whole history of that church. You remember the ham potluck? So we had plenty of ham for everyone who who possibly wanted it. And then, of course, as the next potluck approached, there was the tension of, do we bring ham? You know, it's a little bit like when you do rock, paper, scissors, and you ask yourself, should I do the exact same thing? Are they going to expect that or not? So that second potluck, I believe only two families brought ham, and someone happened to bring fried chicken, which is also good, right? But regardless of how strange the mixture may be, there is always enough. And so Kristen is wanting to be a good host, and she's really worried about there being plenty of food. And finally, I said to her, look, Kristen, I've never been at a church meal where you ran out of food. And even if we get close, we have an extended pantry. The neighborhood market is just across the street. (laughs) We'll be fine. But that's one of the things that I love about church meals is that they really are a sign of God's perpetual abundance. That when we all bring ourselves together and give of ourselves generously, there is always plenty. But here is the question that is before us and the challenge that's before us in this passage that we heard today. Do we trust that abundance? That is behind the question that the people have about this woman bringing this perfume for her. They're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I mean, this thing could have been sold, and then the money could have been used, and they could have been taking care of the poor with that. Well, that is a legitimate question to ask. It is always good for us as the people of God to ask questions around how are we using the resources that we've been entrusted to. However, it also assumes that they haven't already had plenty that they could share to help out the poor. Or it assumes that money is always the answer. There are some significant threats to living into the fullness of God's abundance in this passage. And I'm going to kind of focus in on two today. Shame and lack of trust. Shame is at the heart of the way that they treat the woman. They shame her for what she's bringing forward as a gift, and they shame her for its use. Now, when we think about how this applies today, there are instances of shame, but there are other things that are sometimes at work, and I want to lift those out before we look more closely at the shame piece. Sometimes it's less about shame and more about driving from our own perspective and not opening ourselves up to another person's perspective. So, I have to admit, I fell prey to this pretty recently here. Sandra Hutchins came to me a couple of weeks ago, about two and a half weeks ago, and said, I'm really feeling called to get the retired people together and to share in some time of fellowship, just play some games together and have some fun together. And she said, I think we should do it on Fridays. And my first reaction was, ugh, not Friday. 
And then my next reaction, and I started to say this, and then I sort of backed out. I started to say, just try it out once a month and see how it goes. And then I was like, eh, no, just do what you think is best. And she did. She did what she thought is best. And, I mean, in two weeks, we had this gathering this past Friday, and we had 25 people show up, and they had so much fun, they're planning to do it the next Friday. And I realized that my own perspective was getting in the way. My perspective of, first of all, that Fridays are my day off. And so, you know, I really probably shouldn't be here. But, you know, I texted Sandra and I said, I'm praying for you. I hope everything goes well. I hope there's lots of folks. But also today's my day off, so I'm not going to be there. And she said, oh, have a great day off. Also, you're not retired. Oh, all right then. (laughs) So, so I realized that it was my own perspective, it was my own point of view that was getting in the way of what could be an abundant time of sharing. And so I had to put my perspective to the side. We also need to recognize that sometimes a gift is given and it's held for the time in which it is right to give it. This passage has the right timing of this gift because it is a recognition of Christ's holiness, and the fact that he is facing death. It's acknowledging that. And so it is given at the right time. Sometimes people bring gifts forward. They offer gifts, and they get held for a bit. It doesn't mean that they're not being honored. It means that the time is not right yet. Some of you have had the four questions conversation with me. And when I finish that conversation with folks, unless there is a very clear, oh, you should definitely go into this ministry, then I usually say to people, all right, thank you for letting me know. Now I know who you are. I'm going to hold on to this and be in prayer about it. And there will come a time when that gift is needed. And then I will come to you. So it's not that the gift is being ignored. It's that the timing has to be right. So those are not issues of shame. But there are times when people bring forward gifts and people shame them about it. I have seen it in my ministry. I have seen people see someone bring forward a gift and then say, well, that's dumb. They shouldn't use it for that. It would go much better if it went to this or this or that or the other. And they're highly critical of the gifts that other people are giving. And I will tell you, when I have encountered that in my ministry, I can usually check, and those are almost always people who are giving nothing. And I actually think the shame that they're putting on someone else is driven from within themselves, of recognizing they're not giving anything. And so I want to step in with them and invite them into this space where their gift, whatever it is, would also be honored by God. And that shame sometimes does come from within as well, and sometimes shame from within keeps people from bringing their gifts forward or keeps them from recognizing the gifts that they have to give. I will have people often tell me, I have nothing to give. I have nothing to give. There's nothing I can do. There's no way I can give. And I'm always shaking my head and saying, yes, if you have breath, you can praise the Lord. Often this happens when someone is facing a very significant medical condition and they cannot do what they used to be able to do. And what I usually tell folks in those moments is, you can still pray, 
and prayer is desperately needed. Nothing will be animated in the church at all without prayer. So lift up prayers to the Lord and give that gift. But also, you can give the gift of letting people be in service to you. As you are struggling with your illness, maybe you need meals, maybe you need help around the house, maybe you need those things. You can give a gift of providing a space where someone can serve. That's a powerful gift people give to others. Don't let the shame weigh you down so much that you miss the opportunity for God's abundance to break out. The other significant threat here is lack of trust, that there's not enough. And I think it boils down to this line, which is probably the most famous line in this whole passage. You always have the poor with you. It seems, and it has caused, a lot of people use that phrase to just give up on trying anything. Well, we're always going to have the poor with us, so why do we even need to try? No. (laughs) Continue the sentence. You will always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do something good for them. Now, whenever you want, you can do something good for them. Jesus recognizes, knows that they already have this capacity to help the poor, that all they need to do is unleash their own generosity, and that would deal with so many of the issues that are present in this world. He knows that the capacity is already there. Anytime you want, this can happen. Anytime you want, this can happen. He's encouraging them to try and see that reality. And what's powerful is that maybe more than anyone in that room, this woman believes that's possible. Because this woman does give ridiculously a year's wages of a gift. But maybe that's because she trusts in God's provision. She knows there will be more behind it. And she trusts in God's timing that this is the right time to bring that gift forward. True generosity flows from a willingness to trust that there will be enough. Will some adjustments have to be made in life? Maybe. But will there always be enough if God's people pour out their generosity? Yes. And look what happens to this woman's gift. When she trusts in the abundance and invites God into it, This is one of the very few stories that is told in all four Gospels. All four Gospels have this story. And Jesus says, anywhere my story is told, her story will be told. And what is the impact of her story? The impact of her story has been to invite us to ask questions about how we address poverty. The impact of her story has been to say, you know what, we should not shame those who bring forward extravagant gifts, gifts of love, whatever gift they have to give. It includes the fact that a woman can share and speak the gospel in her actions, and it shows as a sign for all of us that Christ is Lord His death may be coming, but it is not the end. There is an abundance beyond that. It is impossible to measure the impact of this woman's one single gift because of the number of people whose lives have been impacted by the telling of her story. And Jesus saw 
and named that power in her generosity and in that woman. And we're still talking about her today. And her story is an invitation. It's an invitation to see the abundance. It's an invitation to see the abundance in your neighbor. To look at the person on the pew with you and recognize that that person is gifted. Tremendously gifted by the Holy Spirit. And it is our call to encourage that giftedness as we see it in each other. To share with one another. To help each other know that you matter, you are gifted, and you can give. And to celebrate that and share that story. And it is also an invitation to see the abundance in yourself. You have more than enough to give. You have more than enough to love. And Jesus sees you just like he saw her. Sees you just like he saw her and empowers your gift just like he did hers. It can be a struggle to live into that kind of generosity, to get over the shame and to live with the trust can be a struggle. Admittedly, sometimes we continue to be the people who need to see a sign. So, if you're one of those, come to the pancake dinner at Fat Tuesday. Fat Tuesday, do you know where that name comes from? It's Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras means um, Fat Tuesday in French. And the idea was that you had to use up all the fat in your house on that day because then you were going into the season of Lent, the season of fasting. So you use up all the fat. But you know what is true about that if you use up all the fat? It's a trust that someday there will be fat behind that. That's not the last fat you're ever going to have. It's a trust that there will always be. So, come to the pancake dinner. Experience God's abundance. Experience it like syrup poured on a stack of pancakes. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you would like to let us know you were here, follow the link below to connect. To participate in worship through giving, you can give online at fumcbentonville.org or on Venmo at FUMC Bentonville. FUMC Bentonville welcomes all. Because we believe the communion table is God's table, we invite everyone into our church family. We welcome and celebrate every race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, marital status, age, physical and mental ability, national origin, economic station, and political ideology. We come together in action and outreach, aspiring to follow Jesus' example of radical hospitality, love, and grace as a transformative movement in our community. Please join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and on Facebook Live. All are welcome, and we'd love to have you with us. Grace and peace.